Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast. Today I'm rejoined for the third time by uh, Mr. ASP, who is the 600 thousand pound portfolio man at this stage i don't know by the time this goes out it could be seven hundred thousand. but he, he's been on uh, episodes 45 and 20 beforehand he's, he's got record listenership on the podcast a very popular man uh, i just ha- might have to add the caveat that um i am watching the arsenal game in the background uh, this podcast was supposed to be recorded a bit earlier in the day but uh all no thanks to asp uh we're recording it during the arsenal match how are you doing mate I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Good to be back on for the the hat trick appearance. Yeah, it's almost a year since you first came on, isn't it? Almost like around about that time. It, we've come a long way, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, I think at that time I think it was about February, so probably a year. It's. Uh, I mean, I look. I think football index is totally unrecognisable now from when it was then, um, which you know, obviously, I did think would happen, but obviously, to see it happen is is pretty amazing. So. Mm, and uh, you must be a very happy man. You, you made a big gamble, and it and it's paid off very handsomely. Uh, how are you feeling? Are you are you slightly euphoric with the returns at the moment, or are you trying to stay grounded? Um, I think and maybe I don't know how this will come across, but I think after you, like anyone, I think regardless of the size, after you start making profit, it um, doesn't necessarily have the same kind of edge to it. obviously you're really happy when you see you know what's happening but i think probably more in the beginning the sort of realization that you can make a lot of profit is probably a more euphoric feeling now it's sort of more i guess you know obviously you've got the feeling of profit but you've also got the the nervousness and risk of maybe losing some some profit or making some losses and obviously you know the more you grow your portfolio potentially the more you have to be concerned but overall no i think um not necessarily for it, but very, very, you know, happy with, with how it's going. Um, from my perspective, probably maybe less so at the moment in terms of the direction of the platform itself, which I think for me, that's really the only concern now. Um, you know, for my part as a trade, I'm pretty comfortable. It's more just, you know, what's, what is Football Index going forward and what my involvement, I guess, is going to be with it going forward. So, so <laughs> to some extent, uh, you've got two sides of the coin there. You're happy on a personal level, but... On the FI side, there is um, a, a little bit left to be desired, right? And I think you've made those feelings clear on on Twitter, um, which a lot of people have opposed, uh, which they they you know they have the the right to. But uh, we'll, we'll get into all that and, and a bit more in a minute. But I'm going to plug myself, the usual plug of the YouTube channel. Head over to the YouTube channel, my YouTube channel, not the YouTube channel, Football Index Guide. If you type in that on youtube just subscribe like some videos watch some content please um i know i'm not making a good uh <laughs> plug of like encouraging you to do that with a very monotone uh description of, of what the channel is but uh please do that uh, head over to the football index blog uh which is hosted on medium alongside fi trader and liam football index lm that goes out fortnightly if you want to hear me just speak about football then head over to the State of Play pod. That's alongside Matt Santangelo. That goes out fortnightly as well. If you want to collaborate, sponsor the podcast, hit me up on football.index.guide at gmail.com. Again, football.index.guide at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you haven't left a review, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And if you haven't subscribed, shame on you. Shame on you. But ASP, mate, first thing that we're going to talk about is the MB scoring matrix and potentially opening that up not only to the entirety of the index from a player standpoint 
but to foreign territories as well. So I'm going to read out some questions that we had from from the audience. Uh, football in, uh, football MDJ, what's your view on the proposed change to opening up MB to squad players? Uh, Manu Mano, is that? Yeah, that Mano Mano Mano. I think. Uh, ask Mano Mano a Mano. Mano, okay, anyway, uh, will, will we ever see any selected foreign media added to media by sources? Isn't this crucial if the platform is to expand to news territories? And last, the real FI Cole, who asked, who's asked a few questions in the past. In relation to the above, this was to uh, the above question by Mano A. Mano. Do you think it would be more beneficial for FI to focus solely on increasing their market share in the UK rather than trying to expand out? Surely their expertise is in the UK, therefore, they should get as close to maxing that out before focusing elsewhere. So, why don't we talk a little bit first, uh, firstly, about the uh, that that notion of a whole entire index um, scrapping the top two hundred? What What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, look, I mean, I think it was on the. Uh, I mean, I've been thinking about it for a while, but I think on the last podcast we had, I think I mentioned specifically, you know, their yeah, you know, it seemed like a good idea to just have one index. I mean, you know, overall, I'd say I was happy, you know, when Mike tweeted that, you know, I was glad to see, especially from what I've sort of got in terms of feeling and, and, and communication over the last years and hearing them on your podcast, you know, good to hear that actually they are thinking innovatively because it was, it wasn't sort of is a little bit concerning that they were maybe sort of being very, very risk averse. And as I said, you know, for me, there's, there's quite a lot still to be done with this platform. So overall, I was happy when that was tweeted. You know, as Adam said the other night, um, you know, right now, Football Index is in a position where, you know, surely we've got to be breaking down as many many obstacles and barriers to entry, I guess, you know, however small they may seem to some people, so that we make sure we attract, you know, as many new customers as possible. But also, you know, when they are joining, you know, make sure they're staying, not just signing up and going into the, what, 250-odd thousand registered users who are there, but, you know, some of them may not be active. So, yeah, for me... For a new trader coming on, didn't really make much sense before. I think it'll make a lot more sense just have one platform, no separation. Um, you know, I think that's how you would design it if you were designing it from scratch. So, yeah, overall, I think it's, it's a step in the right direction. But as I said, I think there's a lot of other key work to do, you know, along a similar level um, to shape up the platform for the future. So I, I hope they continue to do Yeah, that. I think that when PB was first introduced, it made sense to have that top 200 just so that the value of the top 200 players didn't really dissipate. But now, as we've come to a point where the number of signups we had in January was as much as Football Index actually acquired in the first half of 2018, just think about that. That's an incredible amount of uh, users that have been acquired we need to make the platform more intuitive. Obviously, I'm saying we as if I'm part of Football Index, to some extent, some would argue I am. Um, it, it has to happen, doesn't it? But maybe a lot of people read Mike's tweet, and I think they only read the first half, where they were like, right, yeah. I, I've, se- I've only seen the first half, um, which was uh, something along the lines of what are people's thoughts of opening up to the whole index? People didn't realise that the second half of the tweet actually said, of course, this would be accompanied by some sort of dividend uh, increase or um kind of toggling with the dividend metric to make it so that the actual value of your players that you're holding if they're in the top 200 doesn't actually materially change yeah i mean i completely agree with that um i think and this is a common theme i think i think it's just the nature of twitter regardless whether it's football or something else i think initial takes 
can often be you know very hot and not necessarily very um you know well thought through and you know i'll include myself in that it's just the nature of of the way it is but i think yeah with mike's tweet you know he specifically said i think that was disappointing for me i think it was what 33 percent to 67 percent or something but i think yeah 30 percent who weren't in favor when i went through the comments it definitely seemed like a lot of them didn't read the words about maintaining yields by increasing dividends and so you know probably actually in reality you'll probably get a small increase even after taking into account the other winners because you know fi would obviously want to make sure that it was done in as, as minimally disruptive a way so you know if you're not losing out what it's just it's it's a struggle for me to understand what possible reason you'd have to not want it. Um, I think I saw one person say, you know, instead of changing it, you should just get new customers to make sure they read the game rules. And it's just I sort of think that doesn't remove the problem, does it? Because then you're in the position that we're in, where we've all read the game rules, but we still understand that it doesn't really make sense. Um, and also, a lot of what I'm again, maybe it's just me, but what I'm thinking about now when it comes to football index, probably because I've got quite a lot in it, is over the medium to long term, how all these little things add up in terms of efficiencies and things that we want and maybe aren't so ideal. And I think something like this, I mean, how many emails would CS get over the next five years as we go out to other territories asking this question, for example, you know, multiplied over, you know, millions of customers potentially, and obviously a million people wouldn't ask, but obviously you'd have a significant amount of people that would ask. You know, it's unnecessary, you know, just traffic and resource that you that's used up by this and so many other things where, you know, you've got the choice. Either you can kill it and clear it and not make it an issue, or you can maintain it, however small it is, but inevitably it's gonna cause some sort of, you know, disruption issue, resource drain on, on CS just by, you know, a lot of people not really understanding why it's there. So as I said, for me, it's just if it can be done, spend time now um and, and clear it up. You know, I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't yeah i think that um simplifying the product in any way shape or form and making it more intuitive for a user just kind of makes sense i don't really see why people would oppose it especially if there was a dividend increase especially if it was one that actually favored those mb players it it kind of is illogical for people to oppose it don't you agree yeah, it is. I mean, this and this was, I think, you know, whether it's this or or with the issues potentially with performance buzz, it's, you know, if you're not getting any, um, if you're not changing materially the odds of your bets and actually your the odds of your bets are improving, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense to me why, it would, why you would oppose it apart from just, you know, if you're that kind of person or just laziness or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, what do you think of the overall communication from mike on that do you, do you actually think that he should have been tweeting stuff like that or do you think there should be some other sort of forum where things like that should be discussed well, i always think that um perhaps like a just a, a two minute video being like hey what do you think of this idea um and then actually having some statistical backing to it but also being able to break down why this is good because i think it's if you say something what you what you have as a company is people just interpreting it in in various ways so what you can do is if you if you actually add some sort of statistical reasoning behind it and then you actually kind of explain why from a company standpoint and from a product standpoint this is better then i think you're going to have a lot more people who are just on board in general yeah i mean i so this is kind of i think something which a lot of people have spoken about which is i guess the role of you know mike in particular and sort of the way as as has been going for a while the way things are communicated with football index and 
but I don't think it's an easy one. But I think I think in this particular instance, what what I noticed, which I think um, was potentially a little bit confusing, was I think Mike tweeted a couple of days before that there was literally no prospect of any dividend increases in the near future. And then I think obviously this tweet went out. And I know, look, if you're talking, you know, in terms of maintaining a yield by increasing dividends, then maybe you're not necessarily talking about an actual dividend increase. But even then, I think it was a little bit confusing that those two tweets were so close together. And I think, look, I'm not, look, I don't think anyone, uh, and myself included, doesn't like or doesn't think Mike or anyone else at football and aren't doing a good job or aren't good guys. You know, everyone's, you know, likes them, thinks they're doing a good job in general. I think this is just more a case of, and not necessarily this, but this is an example of, I think it's just, you know, a lot of people have a lot of money in here. Um, and obviously you should only have what you feel comfortable with in there. But it's just, there doesn't seem to be someone there that holds people to, I think, maybe higher standards to say, you know, have we really thought about how we're going to say this? Um, you know, is this the way we should be doing things? We shouldn't have done that. You know, let's not do this. Um, and I think another example of that was, you know, on the trader meet, you know, that you know, I saw the stream the next day and it's still this sort of quite dodgy looking stream, which is a bit, you know, I'm sure there it was great, but it comes across as a bit unprofessional. And whether it's that, or as we're talking about Mike's tweet about, um, MB dividends, every communication is, you know, showing off the company and showing off that to new customers. And they're going to obviously decide potentially their view on football and that's from that. So I think, you know, in terms of what you've said, yeah. Uh, probably you know maybe an email i thought a video whatever it is but something very in-depth especially when you're asking um traders on a poll on twitter about something that could potentially affect the future of the index if it's not explained fully you're not going to get necessarily a representative answer so yeah whether it's a video or an email i think things could and maybe should when it comes to new potential ideas be communicated in full because for example even with that you know if he had said that you know dividends you know very clearly are going to go you know up by this this is an example of how many people outside the top 200 how many players have won and this is you know the amount we're going to increase it to level it off and balance it out i think with the full picture there you know, i wouldn't be surprised if you got sort of 90 95 of people agreeing i also think there's <laughs> i mean this is going to be weird to say but you read a tweet you don't necessarily digest it but you actually answer polls for example or comment before actually digesting it quite often uh, well most people do i mean i've been guilty of it before i mean there's been loads of polls that i've participated on twitter that i've answered before properly digesting just what it was asking and i think that's potentially what a lot of people did with that poll i don't mm. know if you agree yeah i think so i think it's i think it's just because again as i said a lot of people have i don't know whether it's because they are concerned about you know their, their money in the index but i think there is an there is an initial gut reaction to a lot of things especially when it comes to change which mm. may, may not be thought through like you said it's 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 just an instant take which again when you're talking about gaining feedback for the future of the product it's not it's not really of use if it's not if it's not thought through yeah i i agree what, what about let's move on slightly onto onto the other other point which was foreign media outlets being added to um to media buzz right and, and i think there's been a lot of speculation especially on my part that football index will probably move away or not move away but um water down media buzz by increasing pb because it, again we're talking about that common sense factor right where 
people come on and they're like, why does Pogba getting a haircut mean he's more valuable? <laughs> Again, not not very intuitive. Obviously, I've just kind of used the worst example. And there are examples where I think Media Buzz does a lot of good. And obviously, over the summer, it, it makes a lot more sense. But I think the general feeling or consensus is that we'll move away slightly from that MB feel. Um, what are your thoughts I mean, I think you've pitched these thoughts before on the, the foreign outlets being added, but my concern more is that Football Index would have to, one, increase media buzz dividends when opening up it to the whole of the index, and then two, increase them again when they release them to, say, uh, foreign territories, mainly Spain, Germany, France, and Italy. Do, do you think that's going to be too many changes? Is there any way Football Index can do this at once? Because for me, it feels like if you do those two things at once, there's too much change. If you do them separately, there's a larger frequency of changes, if you make, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think, look, it's it's certainly, it's a very, it's a, it's complex for sure. And I think, you've obviously always got the difference between what's ideal and what's actually feasible based on, you know, not just technology, but as as you've said, you know, whether it's actually in the interests of of traders in terms of too many changes. I think think we probably will see at some point in the future some foreign media outlets. I just think um, it it makes sense. But how it's done, it's a difficult one because, you know, I think, I guess off the top of my head, you know, if you're making changes, potentially probably you only want to do them at the end of every season, maybe. Mm. But again, uh, if there are four other four other leagues uh, where there's media potentially, you don't really probably want to be doing that then, you know, once a year for four years. You mm. probably do want to be doing it all in one go. Um, but again, at the same time, you know, look, Football Index have said their ambitions are to go to a market cap of a billion pounds. Now, obviously, we're at what, maybe 30 million now. So, dividends will have to increase along that curve um so you know i think if they can be done in one go who knows i think personally with dividend increases going forward because they wouldn't want to create too much liability where they're paying out high yields they probably want to do them at a small percentage each time they do them you know it was different when they first mm. introduced performance buzz they created so much value with the yields at sort of 40 50 percent that it was the dividend payouts that were seeding the index and bringing up the capital values. Whereas now it's different. You know, now it's deposits really that are pushing up the capital value. So if they increase dividends mm. by 10, 15, 20%, you know, prices would squeeze up pretty quickly by people depositing more. So I think that is an option. But again, it does seem like a big ask to do uh, to add four different um, four different media sources. So to be honest, the answer is I don't know, but I hope that they can and, and that there is a way. I don't know what you think. Uh, just before we move on to the next bit, quickly what what do you think about uh ideas that people have had where a media bus could be separated for, for different territories i mean maybe maybe it's because i haven't understood it because of my you know failings as, as a person <laughs> or maybe it hasn't been explained properly to me but i just i just didn't understand how you could have that happen because obviously you want shared liquidity mm, um, throughout every territory so at the moment, for example, if someone came in on Germany, you want them buying players that would go obviously up or down based on performance bars in the UK media. But if you then have a separate dividend system just for people in Germany, then I don't it didn't I didn't understand personally how then, you know, a player could go up, for example, in relation to P B that we'd be trading on him. What you know, in relation to, but then potentially down in relation to media buzz, mm-hmm. even though it was a different pool of capital. I just didn't understand how that would work. 
I, I was a bit confused by it. I think um I think Nick Morris explained it in better detail than I can, but for me the weirdest thing would be for example UK traders buying players from Germany because of their potential German MB appeal but not actually receiving dividends for them. Yeah. That would that would be quite strange for me. Um I just think that would be way 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 more complex than it needs to be and i think the solution is probably just opening it all up because i think if you look at the top kind of 10 players i'm not too sure how many of them would be drastically affected by opening up i mean obviously like messi and ronaldo for example would probably get a lot more media buzz but they're the two best players in the world so it's kind of like oh yeah but that's unfair messi and ronaldo will go up higher in the index <laughs> and then you'd kind of turn around and be like but they're the best players on the planet so yeah isn't well, that also, how I think, should be <laughs> yeah well i think the other thing to bear in mind is that you know if as you said and as i think there is a consensus for maybe it needs to be bigger than it is or should be bigger than it is or you know i, th- I think the con- the consensus is that the you know, media is not a good barometer of of value ideally and so we would be moving away from that any- anyway and so if you're then talking about media being a very small part of, particularly during the season, um, you know, what drives the market, then, you know, yes, in current terms, these players would seem to win a lot. But if the performance side was weighted much more heavily, then actually, yes, there would be a lot of value built into Messi and Ronaldo, etc. you know, in relation to media. But across the index, if if performance was grown as a whole, I think it wouldn't be so noticeable, if you see what I'm saying. Uh, and that's why I think, you know, regardless of what they do with with foreign media, and I hope they do, I think the bigger priority right now is is just the overall dividend structure in relation to balance between, you know, media and performance and, and prioritizing that so that regardless of whether you go into Germany or, you know, Brazil or, you know, China, that wherever someone is in the world as a new customer, it makes sense when they log on they can just sort of plug in and play very intuitively, which, you know, I, I just definitely don't see as being the case right now. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. What, what do you think about uh, the real FI Coles question about um, so uh, solely focusing on increasing the market share in the UK? Because I think people forget that um, we only do kind of have about 300,000 signups at the moment active users is probably about 15 percent of that so is the priority of the uk i i I seem to remember that on um was it episode 62 now that uh the guys came on the podcast kieran was talking about having a localized product and then actually figuring out what works in other territories because what works in the uk in terms of um how you present a business model doesn't work everywhere else so is there that side of things to factor in as well yeah i mean look of course from a business in terms of a financial perspective and growing the business obviously at the moment and probably for a good you know year two years who knows you know the uk customer base will always be the priority in terms of you know, marketing focus, you know, retaining customers, signing up new customers. But I think people are confusing the difference between that and actually the UK focus from a product perspective. Um, You know, just expanding the foreign media sources, I don't see how that would inhibit growth in the UK. If you think, for example, that this platform was, you know, in my opinion, pretty much dead when we just had UK media and that by increasing the, the, um, 
the dividend source to performance from players in you know four other foreign leagues that for me was the catalyst for fi rocketing you know i always see on the tl on twitter you know people talking about players from france or germany random players i've never heard of people in you know players in brazil who haven't even played a first team game people asking alex for ipos of you know, random players, all that stuff about Paqueta, like the list is endless of, of players and leagues which have nothing to do with the UK. But yet there's this buzz that's been created. And for me, that's one of the biggest USPs that there's this buzz that's been created over, you know, football all over Europe and, and actually all over the world. So I don't see how, again, I think people are confusing, you know, the UK customer base as a priority rather than UK, uh, I guess, a UK-centric product based on UK media feeds from newspapers. I think those are two different things. And I don't think the latter, you know, as has been proven, to me, to me it's been pretty well proven. I don't think there's an argument for it. It's been proven that opening it up to Europe has resulted in more trading uh, and, and more growth. So that's that's how I see that, for example. And in terms of what Kieran said, I mean, I don't know. Personally, I always feel like, and, and he, look, I'm not the expert on this, they run the company, but I don't see how when you're talking about potentially a billion market cap, and again, maybe that's fanciful, but even if you're looking to expand into other countries and, and worldwide, making changes just conceptually sooner and then just being able to build up and just you know increase dividends, maybe improve the tech a little bit, but making the product foundational in the same way that they've set the foundation up for the technology for the years ahead, setting that up from a product perspective for me earlier rather than building up in the uk then going into you know italy or germany and realizing oh you know shit we need to do something now i just conceptually can't see how that's more worthwhile i don't know what you think yeah i think there's two sides of it though i think when you go out to another country you might be fairly confident or certain that your product offering is gonna be well suited to the target audience in that demographic or in that territory but it might not pan out in reality. Obviously, conceptualization and execution are two completely different things. Uh, people always talk about how loads of people had the idea for Uber, but then uh, loads uh, no one executed correctly apart from Uber. If Football Index have a offering for a country in in the UK as they currently do, and they've executed it and it and it works really well that plan as i kind of alluded to earlier might not work for other countries i think what needs to happen is for the product to become a lot more robust i think i agree with that point that you've made or alluded to and then kind of figuring out what the best way to um, market the proposition into other territories is and then the money will start flowing into the platform yeah, I think I agree with you. I think in terms of a, I guess, operational perspective, there are obviously massive, um, you know, and in terms of marketing and things like that, the tech side, how it's presented, there, there are obviously cultural differences between countries, which mean, you know, one size doesn't fit all. But as I said, I think even if you weren't expanding into other countries, uh, say we were, we were just in the UK, I still don't even think, you know, for people that watch football now that understand football, I still don't see how... Um, I guess you could say the imbalance that's created by you mm. know, some fairly low-grade UK newspapers is is a, is a way <laughs> to attract people with the product that you say you know relies on your football knowledge because because quite clearly it doesn't. So I think that yeah. still stands either way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I tend to agree. Uh, and we got some great stats from the guys over at Index Gain, and this is uh, the, the the data section that we have on the on the weekly show. And this was actually requested by you, ASP. Um, <laughs> do you want to kind of explain what you what what you requested? Yeah, well, I think just in terms of what I was saying previously, I mean, my 
and look, this is from you know people that I've seen on Twitter. It's from my own views, from people that in my you know, work I've talked to. Um, you know, the way that the product is structured seems, I think, you know, very favorably balanced to quite a narrow distribution on quite a, um, I guess, on a metric that has you know severe limitations, which would be media. And so, I just wanted to get some data because I hadn't actually done the. The number so thanks for the guys at index gain i just wanted to get some data on actually how does the distribution differ between you know how many players you know win uh match day dividends how many players win media dividends and, and see where that fell really yeah so i'll read out the stats here uh and there's quite a few of them so on the mb side and this is this season up until the 13th of uh, the 30th of january i believe Pogba has accounted for 20% of all MB payments. Six players have accounted for over half of Media Buzz dividends, and 20 players have accounted for over 80% of Media Buzz dividends. So, a few people kind of alluding that Football Index would be where it is today without performance buzzes in my head, balmy, because if you can only have a pool of 20 players that win 8% of the payouts, that just becomes ridiculous and unsustainable um, and it means that there's hardly any liquidity anywhere else. Uh, on the PB side, five players account for 10% of payouts. So a bit more random, but I think people often overstate the randomness of the PB wins over a long um, period of time or over a big sample size. And then the combined, uh, combining those two, Pogba has taken 7.1% of all payouts this season. That's only one player. That's nearly accounted for 10% of all payouts. And 20% of all dividends have gone to five players. Half of all dividends have gone to 43 players. So does this feel a bit top-heavy to you at the moment, ASP? Yeah, I think um, there was so on the broader numbers that, that Index Gain said, I think, uh, that, they, um, that they put forward, I think £15 or £16 roughly, per share was paid out in media dividends across 66 players and it was roughly double that in terms of you know so if that was 16 it was roughly 32 across double the amount of players for performance but so what's clear is that the distribution for media buzz wins is is far narrower um, than it is for performance but as i said on top of that it's it's not just that it's the fact that the actual underlying metric actually has nothing to do with directly with what happens on the pitch so you know, you've got what's essentially the majority of this platform currently that actually has you know no direct relevance to you know what's on the pitch. Obviously, look, you can win media, you know, for you know scoring a winner or something like that. But obviously, that media buzz tends to exclude you know certain players apart from Ronaldo, Neymar, and Messi. It tends to exclude a lot of foreign players. So you know, when the bulk of the platform is set up on that basis, um, it's worrying. So I guess for me. I don't know what your thoughts thoughts are on this, but the main thing that I took from that was that you know it's it's just not a platform currently that genuinely rewards football knowledge based on real world. Yeah, and I think when your mantra is get paid for your football knowledge, uh, well, I'm kind of fat paraphrasing there. When you put the numbers out there, it does seem that if anything, this isn't random enough. And I think a lot of people was have have said to me, PB is so random. But I mean, if five players account for ten percent of PB payouts and there's 3,000 players on the platform, that doesn't seem too random to me. And if, um, you know, half of all dividends have gone to 43 players this season, again, that's not that random. Um, 
it does feel slightly top heavy and it does feel like there are players that have gone up massively due to performance recently and I've I've used Marcus Rashford as an example and lots of people call it call have called him bubbly or um how's he gone that high similarly to Mbappe but people have bought these guys because they're playing well and then the there's people who have kind of turned around and said well actually they don't perform well or they're not performing well if you kind of cross-reference them to the dividend matrices that Football Index have presented it. I think there's also that weird thing that I've always had in the back of my head that the MB um, matrix is actually from a random third party, the sentiment scoring. I can't for the life of me work out why when Football Index started, they didn't actually create a thing where, you know, players in the Champions League get higher points and players winning in derbies or whatever, getting game winners in derbies, get higher points, having that weird uh, United bonus factor or, you know, someone like Victor Lindorov and Gabriel Jesus, just because their names are their names, getting boosts. I think it's it's a bit crazy when you think about there's these random, very arbitrary rules that actually make it so um, one player is worth massively more than another. For example, the United bias thing. If you actually think about how crazy that is, there are millions of pounds in players just because the scoring sentiment <laughs> has attributed double the points for United rather than just a random number of arbitrary words. And I know this is the foundations of football index i know and you might be sitting there and shaking your head and being like come on fig like this is how it is these are the rules but just because they are the rules it doesn't mean that they're the right way for the platform to run do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i do i'm sorry i had to, i just had to laugh because i mean it, look and to be honest I, what i don't want but yeah millions, but what i don't want this ASP, just because of yeah i don't word. want this and maybe i should have said this earlier i don't want the things that i'm saying or that you're saying we're discussing or other people discuss to come across as no no, like, no hating or knocking on football index like cards on the table you know football index is a fantastic platform i think it's absolutely revolutionary the guys that work there not just adam kieran mike everyone behind the scenes you know they're all top people they work so hard for us all you know it's nothing to do with that it's about as I said, it's the future of this, and, and and I have to laugh on that basis because, as you said, there are millions of pounds that are in you know players for this reason or another, which can be you know, reasons as arbitrary as whether they have you know the name United or the name you know two names like Bosa <laughs> or one name like Neymar. It has literally nothing to do with with football. So, yeah, I mean, it would be nice. It would be nice to fix that. I mean, that's probably putting it lightly. <laughs> Obviously, you know, the fact that we're both. I think the fact that we're both laughing. It, it it just shows that it, like it's a bit of a joke. But again, like the main thing is, as you said, it it doesn't need to be that way. You know, as Mike, um, you know, potentially suggested with the opening up of the squad, just because something is the way it is, doesn't mean it has to always be that way, and doesn't mean it can't be better um, with a change, and doesn't mean that change needs to be that difficult. Um, so yeah, I think look, it, there are so you've alluded to so many different things, and I think that's really what I'm getting at when I come to my current position with FIs. There are so many sort of oddities, I guess, that are created by the system because it's not just, you know, you've got things like the bias towards English players particularly, which, again, there's no reason for you've got the bias between people with certain ways they fit the scoring matrix. You've got bias between players that have certain playing styles that take set pieces. You've got bias between certain teams that have certain playing styles. You've got all these different things which, look, nothing is perfect, but, you know, we could talk probably for an hour about so many sort of severe... <laughs> Um, oddities that are currently there which um, 
you know, I think another stat I, I was I was looking at was 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 just with Messi, you know, and everyone knows, you know, Messi has had you know another astonishing season so far. But I think when I looked, he had won sixty four p in performance buzz, but seventy four p in media <laughs> buzz. So so again, it's like I saw it. I saw this a guy just who, slightly tangent tangent thing on that. I've I saw a stat today that he's attrib- uh, contributed to eighty nine percent of Barcelona's goals this season. Yeah, it's something obscene. I saw, I saw, I've seen some ridiculous stats about. I think ninety ninety chances created this season and all the other stuff. But I mean, that again in itself just it should be very clear, and it's clear to me that that's nothing to do with football. I, I think the thing you said about it being top heavy, that's definitely look. You can look at it two ways. I agree with you. I think from a footballing perspective, maybe not necessarily in the, in the sense that you know five players win twenty percent of dividends. Maybe there are only sort of four or five generational players in the world, and then maybe if a larger group win maybe 50%, then they're probably the world-class players and so on and so on. But no, in terms of a platform perspective, that can't be healthy because, as you said, there are thousands of players on there. And, and not only that, there's still the potential, and again, I, I hope they do at some point, to, to expand that even further. Um, but again, the only way to make those players relevant is to somehow enable a wider spread of winners. And look, if 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 Mike has said that we can introduce introduce the squad and um, widen out the top two hundred by increasing yields, maybe there's not necessarily an argument to say we couldn't do that with performance buzz by you know tweaking the matrix and increasing dividends potentially. I, I don't know, but mm. well, well, we'll move on. We'll move on to the PB scoring matrix in depth a little bit um, after this section. But I just wanted to, to talk a bit about the um, just the the kind of variance in winners the actual distribution a lot of people have told me that pb's too random from those stats alone asp do you think they're random enough if, i think the key with this is the is is what people mean when they say random obviously statistically speaking the distribution is not random because of what we discussed i think the issue and this is where again i i feel like this is something that's been created by the structure is it's more of an issue of i guess you could call it responsiveness so for example what i mean by that is with media um the the difference between or the gap between the source of the event and the result is, is very very narrow you know, when media events happen that they tend to be very clear like an injury like a fallout with a manager a transfer and they can month, last for months they can last for a season and generally you can plot with a pretty good degree of accuracy um you know how long they're going to run for precisely and where you probably might need to get in and get out it just seems like a very um I guess responsive system, but I think with performance bars, even though the distribution is is narrow or, or, or not as wide as people think, um, the problem is is that you can have a player play well for say five matches in a row and not win any dividends. Um, so the, the the event that's happening uh, in connection with the result that you expect is just a little bit more hazy, if that's what it is. But that player, obviously, over time, given you know, the data we've looked at will obviously eventually come good, generally speaking, and fall into that distribution, especially one of the better ones. But I think that's the problem. It's it's the moment from the gut instinct, you know, of the event you see on the pitch. Um, in conjunction with all the other things, you know, like being potentially taken off at the 80th minute, you know, injury suspensions, it just means that there are, it's, it's just a lot more, again, it's not as, as clean cut, I guess, in that sense, even though overall, potentially, you could probably you know, group a certain amount of players that would fall into a, a narrow distribution, if that makes sense. I don't know if that's clear. Yeah, I, I, I think you've made a, a, f- a few good points there. There are, uh, just to pick up on one point, the 
the variables of like injuries um getting taken off at the 80th minute there's just so many things to consider when we're commenting on on this distribution and on um the trends that you've kind of acknowledged there but i think we need to move on but just one more just one more thing though i think the only other thing is i think there's also potentially what you might call a cash flow effect so Mm -hmm. the fact that media pays out every day for 5p regardless of the fact that the pb payouts are higher if for example you were buying a stock that paid out five percent but paid out to you every day that you could reinvest or something that paid out seven or eight percent but only paid out that amount every two months and it and it obviously wasn't guaranteed yeah you probably would go for the five percent and again i think that also plays into people's mind that maybe media buzz is is more again it's 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 a more closely connected mechanic um that's why probably someone like Kane's price is probably lower than you might expect because overall his yield is good, but the price probably could be higher based on it. But because the yield's so infre- the, the dividends are so infrequent when it comes to media, people don't sort of realise that. If you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I do. I do see what you mean because he wins so um, inconsistently. People can't kind of plot those, or maybe don't plot those data points together to actually see that there is maybe a yield and value there. Um, obviously we're not advocating or um telling you not to buy someone or telling you to sell someone but um it it does feel like there are players who um are obviously just (laughs) devalued by the way the rules are set if that makes sense um but but yeah if you guys want to check out some great data and check out a great community then head over to indexgain.co.uk and if you want to join their premium data service you can use the code fig2019 at checkout for 50% off your first month a whole 50% it's pretty decent and a quick disclaimer this is for new users only so if you're thinking about being naughty and unsubscribing and then resubscribing with the fig code um i've been assured that uh bishop himself will come uh, knocking and find you uh but thanks very much again to the guys at index game for providing that data next mate we're going to talk about the pb scoring matrix and reflection of on the pitch actions which we've kind of talked a little bit about before uh during the show Stanford, uh, who's been on the show quite a few times, saw him at the trader meet, uh, good good man. He says, do you think there is a disconnect between traders who gamble on the rules of football index and those who gamble on the reality of football? What do you think can be done to better align the two and how do you think FI will materialise any changes? Jamie Harwood, haha, okay. Uh, what is he said there? He's just... <laughs> he's just joking around we, we have seen uh, uh, we've seen great rises in youngsters that are not returning good dividends and some not even playing do you think eventually that bubble will burst and what could cause it as we have seen in the last uh uh years a lot of youngsters don't make it index guy do you think adjusting the scoring matrix to be more aligned with a player's performance in reality is an improvement worth pursuing or is there a case that perhaps the matrix is inadvertently forcing us to rethink what a good performance actually is and then fi panda who me and him have actually been talking a lot about um the van dyke and kimmich uh, debate that I brought up on a, on a podcast a few uh, weeks ago. I don't know if you listened to it, ASP. It was with the uh, index I guy, did, yeah. and I was kind of talking about the the kind of lack of intuition when a player or a trader comes on and sees arguably the best defender in the world at the moment not at the top of the defender rankings either on a pb standpoint or in terms of a price standpoint he says can you discuss the changes to the scoring metrics that you would you would propose what attributes scoring could be boosted to move van dyke closer to Kimmich? would you like to see defensive midfielders more rewarded 
So (laughs) there's a lot there. There's a lot there. So why don't we start from the top in terms of the actual underlying thing that makes these players valuable or have any value, the performance buzz scoring matrix. What's wrong with it? Why do you think it's broken? Well, I mean, I think we've touched on this before. (laughs) I think, okay, so... I think when Kieran was on the your last podcast, he said that um, you know it's a lot of things are subjective, and um, if something has changed, then you know it may only be tweaked slightly, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's true, but I think like like everything, you know, there's an ideal and there's a, I guess the low hanging fruit. So I guess in summary, you know, catering, as I've said, to 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 you know different playing and team styles, and to include more actions that aren't included and to wait some actions less. So obviously, what I don't want to do, and this always happens on Twitter, people always, well, some people that agree, obviously agree, and, and they're open to ideas. And other people, again, I think the gut reaction is, you know, oh, well, well, what would you change? As if, you know, I can, you know, I don't have any skills in analytics. I, I know about football, <laughs> but I can't come up with a system that will work on the day. But, you know, you've got the obvious things like, you know, crosses, um, you know, unsuccessful. I think someone someone posted on Twitter, yeah? Yeah, I saw that <laughs> Yeah, what, what did he say again? <laughs> He said something along the lines of, "So you're telling me that someone can just swing in a cross? It goes up for it goes up for a goal kick, and you get three points." Which actually like made me laugh out loud when I read it uh, on Twitter today. Um, I mean, we, we again, we shouldn't be laughing about this because there's a lot of money in the platform at the moment. But um, that's clearly a serious. No, issue, no, we right? shouldn't be laughing. But it reminds me of something else I read. And, and again, it's you can take these tweets that maybe you see every now and again from people, but again, not everyone's on Twitter. So if one person's thinking it, unless they're absolutely insane, maybe they are, but you guarantee that there are other potential, not only current customers, but future potential ones that would be thinking as well. I saw a similar tweet under a promoted um, tweet from Football Index where you know, they're saying, look how much Pogba's price has risen. And look, I've, I've owned all these players. I, I own most of them now. I've owned all of them in the past at some point for the right reasons. But you know, the, the quote was, this must be a scam. Have you seen how crap Pogba's been this season? And it's like, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, actually from an outsider's point of view, that's a perfectly rational statement to make. So yeah, it's not that bad. I think for me, the most concerning thing has been clearly people who are new users to Football Index coming on and just saying, just, just saying random statements such as why the hell is Kimmich so much higher than Van Dijk mm. just kind of make me laugh. But also, it just makes you think a lot more deeply about the product because, for example, you and I have been on for quite a while. We, to some extent, probably have tunnel vision. We can't think from an outsider's uh, point of view. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, so look, you've got the obvious stuff like crosses, um, you know, lack of things like, you know, especially when it comes to someone like Van Dyke, he's great in the air. You know, duels aren't counted. Um, you know, dribbles, key passes, chances created. I, I find it very difficult to and and this is what i imagine happened i think kieran alluded to you know the first venture into performance buzz was to essentially move the platform from you know a a place where wayne rooney and overweight and aged wayne rooney was higher than kind of ronaldo messi in their prime to something which looked more like the real world of football which it did do and i think that was a great first step and as i said you know i think it was a great move and, and and everyone's you know been greater off for it but now we're in a position where you know we're going from startup into the mainstream you, you need to then look at it a bit further um so yes some things sub- are subjective but you know there's so much data i mean they had who is it opta joe at the at the event the other day and i mean i can't imagine him you know a looking at this and, and thinking it makes too much sense but also you know there's so much other data that he must be aware of that i think you mentioned before which again you don't necessarily need to use like final third passes um whatever it might be but at least 
I, I definitely don't think that everything has been considered as a whole in detail. Um, and obviously, you have to balance that against the fact that, look, it, it can't be, and I've never been one that has said this, but I think people have tried to, they always put this forward as an argument, but it can never be perfect, and it can never be a direct reflection of real life, and it can never be like FPL, that's for sure. Um, because obviously, the way it... I, I was, it's weird that you said that, I was literally about to talk about FPL for a minute, where a lot of their community complain about the bonus point scoring uh system and how uh, someone like Mo Salah for example even in last season when he was one of the top scorers because he was missing so many air quote big chances he wasn't actually getting the bonus points that were that was kind of infuriating to a lot of managers on, on FPL but for me it's crazy that they have more data points that attribute to that bonus point system or maybe not more data points but those data points that you maybe have just referenced to such as uh, key passes dribbles etc um and we don't so for i know you know kieran's a very smart chap he's uh definitely one of the smartest people at the company uh and he's a very big part of why they've come this definitely. far but i think for him to say that some of the stats are subjective is is true but there are definitely some stats that clearly can be quantified because other people are doing it right so when people always post stuff about who scored or or um sofa score i mean i sent you a a screenshot of Hazard who had completed 12 <laughs> yeah. out of 12 dribbles in the game that they won 5-0 against uh, Huddersfield I think it was but Higuain scored higher than him on performance buzz now Higuain played well but I think it was clear to maybe a lot of the audience who are watching that Hazard was the best player on the pitch and clearly from all the quantifiable mechanics which a lot of data sites posted Hazard was the best player on the pitch. So for me, it, it it's kind of strange that things like dribbles aren't added when, from an FI standpoint, you want to be able to market the most exciting players. No one wants to market... Um, a left back who doesn't score an assist, who uh, who is just like a boring player. You, you want to be marketing the guys like Rashford, Callum Hudson-Odoi, but you want to actually give them some more tangible value you want the world of football index to reflect hazard being the best player in the premier league this season okay that's subjective but analytically a lot of people have raised that um or messi having his best season ever in terms of like uh percentage of goals and assists uh contributed to his team i think it's okay yeah there are subjective things but as i've just mentioned there are also a lot of quantifiable things that just aren't added um for me i always i always just watch a game someone makes a a pass i don't know a a through pass which is a decent pass but doesn't get quite to his to the intended target but his team doesn't lose possession i think that for example you making an inaccurate pass but not losing possession are, are kind of two different things just a simple uh binary black and white stat like that or or thing could be made better on football index you know again i'm just choosing one arbitrary thing and we could go all day but i think there are a few things that just need to be tweaked for this to be more robust uh yeah i think in general i I agree i agree i think but i think and this is where again look i i i struggle to see um the, the, the rationale behind it but when when kieran said that tiered pb for example couldn't be done the problem i have is that this all is very, very complicated in the sense that, like you said, Hazard and Higuain, for example, in that match, 
just on a sort of high level basis both played very well um Hazard may have played better and may have scored higher analytically but there may have been five other games in five other matches where you know two or three players had great games but the problem is is that you can only reward one of them and now I'm not arguing for tiered PB in the current format because you would just have again the narrow distribution that we've said but I didn't understand and I still don't understand how if you want to bring all these threads together if you want to have a, a wider distribution if you want to have a more accurate reflection of performance but make sure that people don't win so consistently why you couldn't for example tweak the system to make um you know short passing and possession and big team players uh less likely to win but also increase you know the i guess key moment stats to make sure that those players when they do hit those performances do win and therefore increase the distribution and increase the accuracy i mean i didn't see why necessarily that could be a problem if if you tiered if you tiered um the system and also change the matrix to reduce the likelihood of big players winning um i'm not sure whether they were just thinking about it just as it's because obviously that wouldn't work but um yeah look it's just something that i think as i said similar to the way that they've reviewed their tech um to set it on the right foundation i think it just it would, it would be great hopefully if this could be if this could be looked at and i think kieran did mention a while back in a tweet they would look at it after the website had got done but um you know, it, 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 it's definitely looked at. And other things like, you know, for example, maybe this is too radical, but the problem you have now is that you score one for a pass and the only other options is to score it for two or to score it for zero. But if you could score it to, say, 0.7, then you get a lot, in a similar way to Adam said, that flexibility in the media buzz dividends by using 0.25 or 0.5 or 0.75 gives them so much more flexibility. By being able to utilize decimals in the scoring system, you have a lot more flexibility to not be so kind of rough with your with your gauging of players um and look you know when people look at the scores i mean from my from my perspective i don't really look necessarily at the individual breakdowns i look at the board i look at the scores at the end of the day i look at the data which shows the cumulative scores but you know i've been here for three years and i I probably couldn't tell you exactly how many actions are scored precisely as to what points i just sort of know roughly that you know set pieces passes etc you know goals uh, are the key points but if you could maybe use decimals, you've got a lot more flexibility. You wouldn't have draws. Um, and look, yes, maybe initially it's complicated, but once people have used it for four or five weeks, I don't necessarily think it would be, but look, maybe that's a stretch too far for some people. Yeah, I think it's, again, to play devil's advocate, it's finding that balance between, okay, on one hand, they're talking about increasing the um, the media buzz to the whole platform, which is a simple step and makes the product simpler but then if you propose such ideas that as you mentioned are quite radical um where there are decimals being used to actually make it so for example players can't draw maybe it does get a bit more complex just just kind of like on the eye test standpoint you you look at this and suddenly you see loads of numbers if you're not a numbers guy then you're just completely uh, put off it perhaps straight away yeah potentially and if people are they are i just you know as i said whether you're if you asked a new customer for example and they looked at the screen and you had a decimal system but also it reflected performance a lot more accurately whether you know coming onto the platform as a new customer that is just sort of something you look at and say oh yeah that kind of makes sense maybe different to our perspective because we've been for a long time as i said like that's that's this is probably the only area where i feel like more um detail is needed ultimately unfortunately to get a better result but as obviously as the level that goes to the decimals may be a stretch too far but as you said there are there are so many other things you know low-hanging fruit where um you know there, there can be ample opportunity for, for looking at stuff 
Mm. Now, obviously, this is kind of uh, the idea that you toy about, toy with the most, the performance buzz score in Matrix. Is there anything else you want to discuss on that end? No, not really. I think it's just, again, that's one part of a wider aspect of, of, of getting things as close to the pitch as possible. But um, yeah, I think it's it's more just opening up the debate for, I guess, to first accept that it could be better. And then look, everyone's, I'm no genius, you're no genius. Everyone's got feedback, the more the better. And then um, you know, as a community, if we can if we can look at it and suggest things, I'm sure you know, they'll use that with their own research and, and potentially come up with something better, hopefully, that sounds like instead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm slightly offended that you don't think I'm a genius, but um, <laughs> we move on. We move on. <laughs> I need to tell you guys that this podcast is sponsored by Final Runner. Final Runner is basically a last man standing game. Uh, to explain it on a very uh, high level, uh, you have to pick a, a, a team, a winning team in every game week, and whoever is the last man standing wins the whole pot, which is a combination of the stakes entered, which is about £10. It's quite synonymous with Football Index because your stake, the 10 quid, could last for, for quite a long time and you could get a very healthy return on it uh, if you do win the pot, or like me, if you uh, split the pot with um, F.I. Lincoln, Baz Barrett, because I was too much of a, of a pansy to go mano y mano with him all the way into the end so if you head over to www.finalrunner.com you can join my latest competition called love fig you don't have to love me to join this is just in the the spirit of valentine's day it starts on saturday the 9th of february Uh, join and invite your friends the bigger the pot the bigger your potential winning so uh, use that network effect leverage it and and try and get as many people on board as well Uh, what i like about them uh, not just the, the game factor if you're an organization or charity looking to fundraise some money whether it be for the charity itself or for an event or whatever you can actually organize a game yourself and take a put uh, a portion of the winnings uh, which is a really nice idea kind of a, a nice disruptor not only in the gambling sense of things but also on the fundraising fundraising game of things uh, i was one of the winners in the first game as i mentioned baz barrett uh, or fi lincoln and me split the pot um as i mentioned i was too scared to go on uh, i think he probably uh, he's probably a bit gutted that he didn't take me on into the last round we've got a game that's currently going on which is called figdom uh, i think chrissy who's been on the podcast before with her her lovely husband uh, is actually still alive in this one uh, she she joined the previous three games and she hadn't she'd been knocked out in the first round of every one so uh, good to see her still plucking away in this latest game uh, another uh, another kind of disruptor in the gambling market here asp uh, maybe we'll see a few more pop up in the in the future yeah possibly i mean i think uh like if I shown that clearly there's a, another angle on you know, the traditional way of betting, so yeah, you know, they've got in there first. Who knows? Maybe um, maybe others will follow follow suit. Yeah. So if you head over to www.finalrunner.com, just search up Love Fig or ask me for the link. Uh, I'll put it out on Twitter and, and do join it. So it's good fun. Uh, you can make uh, some good money. But we'll move on now. Uh, Matthew Fife uh, probably asked this every time, but for someone just starting out on Football Index, what's the best early play um what, what are your advice to people just joining now asb yeah i think i'm um well i guess the first thing is i'm generally not one for kind of tips and stuff I, i'd say you know yourself there are some good data sites index gain sotd i think edge uh, noir those are all useful points for research um i always just say the same thing in terms of 
trading to you know start small spread your risk uh learn the platform learn the slightly ridiculous rules that we're playing under <laughs> and um <laughs> just yeah just give your time to make mistakes i'd say talk to people that maybe have seem to have some sort of credibility or integrity on, on on various forums of social media but but really try and do your own research learn from your mistakes and um that that'll be the best way to stand you instead i think i don't know what you'd say yeah, I think the spreading your risk early is is definitely a point that I feel that it's, it's hammered home a lot, but for the right reasons. Um, it's the best way to do it and the best way to, to learn this platform is to start small. I always say that cliched thing about it's not how much you earn at first, it's how quickly you learn. And I think that's really true because the quicker you learn, if you fancy it, um, the quicker you can leverage more capital and make a lot more money. Yeah, for sure. I, I, and that's, yeah, getting into that habit is, uh, you know, in, in many ways, since that initial learning period, I've sort of been in that same habit, regardless of obviously, you maybe change slightly depending on how much money you have, but it's, um, it's getting into that habit and learning as quickly as possible. After that, you can, you can, you can fly. Yeah, just just on that point, you're someone that's obviously scaled from like a, a small portfolio in the hundreds to the thousands to the tens of thousands and now to the hundreds of thousands. What do you think are, are key um, things to, to tweak in your strategy as you kind of scale up through those ranks? I think, um, I guess I kind of, for me, I sort of took it in stages. So between you know, say you were saying not say you're on not to fifty thousand or not to twenty five thousand. It's you kind of, as you sort of just said, it's it's staying in the rhythm of you know learning, minimizing your losses, you know making wins, however small the trades are, are just minimizing the loss and making picking up those wins here and there. And then obviously as you grow, I think then it becomes more a question of depending on the individual individual kind of risk management in terms of players across your portfolio. And for me personally, the best success I've had is is being more comfortable in taking more risk and not ne- not necessarily um, kind of going along with ideas that I would have initially, such as, you know, I should only have X amount of holds, uh, X amount of shares in this player. I should definitely always have at least my portfolio spread out this way. I've sort of gravitated more to a, I'm confident, I've seen an opportunity, I'm going to go really big because I think the profit could be really big. And so far, you know, more often than not, it has. But um, I think that's the biggest thing that's changed for me from, you know, as, as, as I sort of scaled up. But obviously, you know, as you said, that only comes with, with time. Yeah. Well, when they do go wrong, uh, obviously, you've, you've done very well for yourself and you've been very successful on the platform. But when they do go wrong, um, how important is it to kind of still have confidence in your, in your decisions? Just kind of talk through um, a, tr- a trade going wrong on the Football Index and how you should react. <laughs> well I, I had loads I, well that's the thing i guess it's difficult to speak within the last 12 months because the platform's grown so much that everyone thinks there's a good trader but prior to that um and, and even actually i'd say my biggest trades were my well my, my worst trades were basically buying loads in players that i thought uh were good players and would potentially rise more but that there wasn't necessarily enough data on at the time and I got impatient and sold at a loss. And I guess if you're talking about mistakes, it wasn't so much that I lost a lot. It was just that I was making kind of more beginner errors, like selling early, not having patience, not buying back in when you know it looked like they could take off, watching them rise further. And then obviously then you've lost out on a significant amount of profit. So I think the stubbornness for me was a big thing to get over was 
not buying back a player that rose just because I owned him and I didn't want to buy him back at a higher price, which I think I've seen a lot of people say is a bit of an issue. It is an issue, isn't it? It's psychologically very hard to do because to some extent you're just basically calling yourself an idiot, aren't you? Yeah, but I think the other thing was any losses <laughs> I had, <laughs> any losses I had or have, you know, and I have had some in the last 12 months when they start to go bad, Apart from one, which I think was, I think I've probably published this was Morata, because I actually, <laughs> I actually genuinely thought uh, this was way back. Obviously, not towards the recent you know, months, but way back, I actually genuinely thought that he was good value at sort of two pounds fifty or something, or two pounds twenty, and I thought he would go back up to maybe three and a half, three point five, three point five or something. But that, apart from that, um, I got much better at just closing, just closing trades off in in when they start to go. Um, you know, pretty south, and there doesn't look like there's any life in them, and there are better opportunities elsewhere. But at the beginning, again, that loss—I think you've talked about this a lot—that loss aversion is very difficult to build up, and you kind of panic, and then you kind of don't want to sell, and then you don't kind of don't really know what to do. Yeah, I, I think there's not only the panic of not knowing what to do with with the loss, but not knowing what to do with the money you get after when you sell at a loss because the confidence is damaged and you're more likely to make uh, effectively an even worse trade in your subsequent tra- trade after that um so that's something that's that's really um kind of key to try and master making sure every trade is kind of singular uh, that you're objective with every trade rather than kind of being like okay i'm on a hot streak now the next one can't go wrong so i'm going bigger or shit i'm not sure if i should actually do another trade for a while because the last one went so wrong it's trying to find um a way that you execute every trade and with the same kind of mentality uh but we've got a question here from ej who uh i think he pips you to have the the largest portfolio sp uh, mm. unfortunately he did a, a, a blog i don't know if you read the blog what were your thoughts i did yeah yeah i uh well i'm very happy to have someone i'm happy to have lots more people with a bigger portfolios than me that's not a problem <laughs> for the platform as a whole it's, it's great but um yeah i read the blog i think i agreed with it's hard to remember now but i agreed with a lot of what he said i think the only thing that i wasn't necessarily in agreement with was the constant cyclic share split um dividend um kind of cycle uh, i think you know that de- the idea of using decimals would probably be better in the long term um but overall i think yeah no he's, he seems like he's got his, obviously got his head switched on um so you know he's i think he's not so happy recently probably as many aren't like stanford because you know, no one really knows what the platform's doing at the moment so again it's uh it's a balance you know the, the index has to cater to all site all wallet sizes but ined- inevitably you know you do want to make sure that you know people that are do have large amounts of money and are sort of comfortable and can maybe attract even more people of a, of a similar wallet size yeah that that's a good point um i think one thing that really resonated to me uh i think it was the first time you came on was it might not be uh your mate that you encourage to come on with 100 quid that makes a big difference to the market cap but it could be the 10 mates that he tells about uh and his cousins like uncle or whatever might have uh a real passion for sports betting or trading and might just lob 50k in that kind of market market kind of leveraging the the market effect is really important isn't it or the network effect rather 100 percent. and and as i said all these things you know whether it's what we said about communication of new ideas or polls or dividend increases or dividends or all this stuff goes into you know all of this idea as to you know how quickly can we 
you know, and solidly in terms of, you know, you don't want to just get signups, you want to get retention, but how quickly can you build that network effect? You know, you don't want to have inefficiency in people seeing the platform and then, um, and then obviously, you know, not liking it. So it's, it's vital to build that, net, that network effect. Mm. Well, his qu- actual question, because we've kind of rambled on for a bit. As you have a large portfolio in less than 50 t- players, do you have any concerns, plans regarding the number of shares you will hold if they're split by four or ten? Um, factoring in the three-year hold, I imagine some of your shares will need to be redeemed over the next 12 to 18 months. Mm. Yeah, not at the moment. I think I have you know, some shares which... I've got probably more imminent exit strategies for, or maybe already have exited in the last you know month. I actually sold, you know, for to anyone that's concerned about um, you know big portfolios withdrawing. I sold about seventy five grand of shares in three weeks in January, and obviously bought back a similar amount. But um, you know, I so I've exited. I exited some then. There are some I'm looking to exit probably next three months. There are some I'm looking to hold. You know, again, you you never. I always know that I've got three years, but obviously, you know, as you sort of said, and most people know, you can never guarantee a three-year-old. So some I'm holding, I guess you could say for the long term, but maybe I might need to exit them depending on what happens in the next few months or, or you know, two months, six months, a year. But overall, I'm I'm sort of okay with with my portfolio and, and my strategy. I think I'll probably just roll over some of the very, very long-term holds. But again, you know, as, as everyone knows, you can't, you need to have a strategy. And, and yes, I may have more shares, but I feel the liquidity is there. You know, based on what I've experienced, the liquidity is more than there and it's only growing. So holding necessarily a lot more shares comparatively, um, I don't see as a problem now. But look, this is always one of those things where no one knows what's going to happen. You know, I could be saying this now and then you know, in six months time, I could be on your podcast and you're saying, tell me about your losses. And I could be saying, oh, I held way too many shares at, at one time, at any one time. That's just the way I view it now is that. So you know, we'll see how it goes. That thing always interests me that you've kind of kept to the same amount of players. Uh, and not necessarily scaled up your portfolio. It's something that's kind of opposite to SOTD Lee that's come on before, and e, uh, and Big Don and EJ, other guys with big ports, where they seem to, as they grow with their portfolio size, like introduce new players into into their portfolio. Is there any reason why you have chosen to go down the route that you have? Yeah, I mean, I have. I think I I very clearly planned um, from about you know, I guess. Well, I, I kind of always plan medium to long term. And there are obviously then trades on the side, which are shorter, but they comprise probably a smaller percentage of my portfolio as a whole. But I've planned, you know, having, you know, I probably had maybe around 50, maybe 18 months ago, maybe, maybe before that, I probably had even more actually. But as of 18 months ago, I probably didn't have more than that. And then I've scaled down even further just to really hone in on where I thought I saw the value. Um, because again, I, I see this as... Um, you know, a long-term game um, in terms of, you know, football index as well. So there are certain players who I thought, you know, I definitely want to be owning um, as, as we go forward. And then there are just other things like certain events um, or, 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 or themes around players like Neymar, for example, where I knew that he was kind of hot um, because of all the various circumstances for, for various reasons. So I wanted to hold a lot in him and, you know, other players as well. Like, you know, Mbappe came on the scene and I made sure I, I bought a lot of those a while back. So, I just think, um, yeah, it's 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 I guess being again more comfortable with having uh, more risk by having a less diverse portfolio, but also it's it's not just I don't just pick a player because I like them. It's with a strategy, um, and obviously within that sort of time period of holding them, sometimes I sell some down and buy some others. But yeah, no more than sort of fifty players for sure. 
as someone who's got like a lot of Neymar, I'm talking a lot. Um, <laughs> when when you did see him get injured the other week, what were your immediate thoughts and reactions? I, so it's the same as always with these things. I think I can remember quite. You you'll remember a lot of these now as well. I think Neymar this year, last year, Fakir last year. There was the Griezmann thing. Obviously, it wasn't an injury. Obviously, the Zlatan thing. And obviously, those were way worse. This was just a, a smaller injury. But with all these things, I can't remember who, who wrote this on Twitter, but I think it was quite good advice for me anyway, which is that if you're in there early in the cell queue or in the instant cell queue, um, I think depending on where you think the bottom's going to be, then I think it's a good idea. I, I think, think for me, SG. Sorry to interrupt. I think it, it was, was SG. SG. Yeah. yeah. So look, as everyone knows SG is probably, for me, you know, it seems to be one of the best traders on the platform. So he obviously knows what he's talking about. But he, um, so when Neymar, when I looked at Neymar, I think he was already quite a way down. So for me, I'm then assessing him at that price. And I think, you know, what, what are the stories? I guess in this instance, it wasn't necessarily around him. I think we're more in a period of the index as a whole uh, growing. So for me, that was, I guess, the factor in this case. Um, as well as look, to be honest, I still think there is, um, you know, high potential for some summer, some summer buzz and, um, you know, he's going to be back in a month. So it was just more at that price. I felt comfortable holding him. And if I sold him, I, you know, I, I didn't want to sell him because he's a, he's a long-term prospect for me. Uh, and that's the reason I'm holding him. So I didn't really, you know, I, I'm used to it, so I didn't really panic too much. Um, but look in another circumstance, if, if he's 1960, and he's going to be out for a year, then I'm hitting that sell button. Um, so it just depends. <laughs> and obviously causing absolute carnage. Yeah, maybe. But again, like I said, I think people would be very surprised at because um, I often see people saying, um, oh, you know, it, the price has gone down on this player because of, of one big movement and all this stuff. But I think, look, maybe someone like an EJ or, or someone else maybe does you know, dump maybe a few more shares and you can notice. But with me, I've never had a situation where it was just I've never sort of dumped the whole load that's ever seemed to cause any sort of you know outroar outroar on social media or anything like that. So you know, I, I think people overstate that. But but even so, if you do dump a player with the, the volume that you own in, there there could be seen as an opportunity for people. Uh, whether yeah. or not that kind of um, people are scared to buy because they've dipped or whatever um, is another is another thing to to think about. But I think people also need to remember that this is, I think I wrote it today on Twitter. I don't know if you saw, this is still such a thin market, Mm, right? mm. You've got like, it only takes 10 people to agree or have one opinion. And suddenly you've got a player going up 30, 40 P. I think that's much of why we've seen, for example, Rashford go from four pounds to 12 pounds with a share split where you need to actually buy more shares, not necessarily in pound terms more, um, but more shares to actually uh, get a player up in price, we might have seen a smaller price increase. We would have seen a still a substantial one because obviously of the things that he's done and the performances that he's had since. And I think today he's leading the media bus scores. Uh, unsure whether or not Sergio Aguero scoring a hat trick against Arsenal will um, will will pip him. Sorry if I sound depressed, uh, but it, it's. <laughs> It's one of those things where people need to understand that, right? Where if you hold a player, someone's selling 
1500 of them can detrimentally affect their price quite greatly and more so than maybe if you're used to um, trading on betfair or trading traditional um, equities or stocks whatever uh, currency um, those things require far bigger volumes to, to actually move the price yeah for sure and there are people who make i think there are there are kind of injury specialist traders that make pretty good money just looking for these opportunities where I think a lot of them are happy to hold for quite a long time. And look, they make like, profit is profit. That's the beauty of the index. Everyone's got so many different ways of trading that, like you said, a big dump or a, a sell-off from, from a trader can create a potential buying opportunity for people. So um, people definitely, like you said, need to be aware of that, not scared um, to see you know, uh, a drop if you've got some capital. Like, like everyone always says, it's, 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 what, it's what you think the price will do from where it is, not, what, not what's happened to it already precisely so it goes back to that um to the thing you talked about with neymar you assessing him at 1960 i think what sg said that time about if you're there to instant sell straight away it can be a good tactic and even if they don't have that bad an injury it's probably the Mm. right thing to do because if you lose 10 pounds 20 pounds whatever it may be you would have still done that if time went back say if you instant sell Neymar at, at 20 pounds 40 or whatever he was and he only dropped 30p so not enough to kind of cover um the spread and commission but you bought back and ended up maybe losing 100 quid on your total holdings that 100 pounds is uh, a very small loss compared to what could have happened mm. if the injury was very severe mm. yeah for sure it definitely um mitigates or reduces the risk exposure uh, even if it's a small loss, like you said, it could be a, l- a lot less because actually no one really knew at the time. I don't think how bad it was going to be. Yeah, and I think there's there's also that other thing, and I don't know if you did this, but buying those players that could benefit from his injury was a lot of the way that people who didn't sell uh, at the top or didn't sell at all kind of um, like de-risked yeah. their position to some extent. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't, but definitely that's uh, I see that happening all the time and of course that's um yeah definitely a good way to yeah i guess the word i guess it would be mitigating your risk probably yeah mm-hmm. um next question i think jay nichols will you have the first million pound portfolio i, I think ej might have already beaten you there <laughs> well if i may have the second million pound portfolio i mean look it depends really as i said i think for me <laughs> It, everything depends in my personal involvement on how you know this product is shaped going forward you know i think I think it was when I posted on in the new year about um, you know plotting my goals. I actually listened back to your podcast with the team because the first time I listened to it, I, I hadn't really listened fully. I was kind of listening in the background, but then I, I heard them you know talk about innovation. And to be honest, it sort of you know it kind of crushed me a little bit because it seemed like they were very scarred from what had happened with GNA, and you know they seemed like they were sort of being very risk averse. So. You know, when I invested in this way, way back a year ago on the podcast, probably way before anyone else, I put a big um, gamble on the platform because I felt this could be, you know, a big worldwide um, product with a lot of potential. Um, but you know, as to now, if 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 I feel that that personally is is board, you know, borders and is, is is in relation to what they do in terms of innovation. So if that seems to go in the direction that I personally think, and my personal view doesn't mean that it's the right view, but for me, then um, you know I'll certainly reevaluate my position. And, and if not, and it goes in a good direction, then you know I think um, it will help me get to probably a million pounds. Yeah, I probably think I would be able to get there. 
yeah, if if he if I'm not the first, I think I would definitely work hard to get there for sure as soon as I could. <laughs> well, I mean, you're quite a conservative guy in terms of your profile, and uh, you know, I don't even know your name, what you do, uh, how old you are, <laughs> blah blah blah. What is it like with friends in your circle? Uh, do they do they know how much money you have in virtual match attacks? <laughs> no, so so the first thing that's interesting about that is I, I, I you see some some people on Twitter saying you know this guy and all these other accounts that have football index in their name they're just scam accounts it's like well i've just spent we've just spent an hour kind of bashing the product so i don't think you can i don't think you can accuse me of being you know working on behalf of fi but no, no one i know knows about um this i mean in terms of the scale of portfolio i have but i think what's you know i've tried to communicate to people friends family and again you know people that i work in with in in my industry i've tried to communicate the potential of the product you know, without necessarily giving specific figures, but you know, two times, four times, ten times, you know, this amount of percentage profit, and you know, this, and uh, you know, I tried to communicate it, but again, you know, I personally have found it difficult um, because of a lot of these underlying reasons that we talk about to, to to get that. But yeah, it's um, it's something that I I uh, I try to keep on a bit of a low profile. I think, um, yeah, we should start a campaign, ASP, where you send like twenty quid to one of your mates um pass pass fi along mm. hashtag pass fi send one of your mates 20 quid and get them really stuck into the product um and just let them see how it goes uh i know there's the 500 risk free thing but maybe i've always talked about how a great idea it would be for football index to give you the ability to say give a neymar to someone as a starting point kind of like coinbase the crypto um exchange allow you to to give some bitcoin to to your uh, to your friends we could essentially and i don't know if this is allowed on the gambling regulatory regulatory side of things but if i could give you like two rashfords or whatever the day he scores a goal maybe you suddenly create an affinity with the product uh, but some sort of movement's got to be started hasn't it where we uh, i don't know I, i've always said to one of my mates or a couple of my mates like look i will give you 50 quid uh, and if you hate it um like keep it i agree <laughs> and they haven't taken it me up on it <laughs> it, it is weird i mean it is strange i've got friends that have some friends that love football that love uh fancy football and that just kind of even before even looking at it sometimes kind of don't yeah they listen they think, oh yeah that sounds like a good idea and i'm trying to say no you need to understand what this is about but i think your idea of some way of gifting either a player i think maybe that's not allowed but getting uh, getting getting <laughs> well maybe it is but i think i think i heard someone say it wasn't but I, gifting I um getting someone involved somehow um you know through these sorts of schemes or whatever it is if, if i could come up with something i think it would be good but again like i said and when i said this before i, I didn't want it to sound um kind of patronizing but it's like i'm trying to communicate you know obviously you've got you know ej and some other people on here and i'm sure lots of other people work in certain types of industries i think gene maybe works in financial services but um you've got a lot of people yeah. <laughs> that sort of know about the types of people that have maybe significant wealth and i'm just really trying to communicate to people that you know look everything's great now we've had you know short term i think the position of fi is the best it's ever been we've had an amazing year we've had an amazing month and yes we've got people anywhere from 100 pounds to you know a million pounds and but realistically, if you're going to get to, you know, a billion market cap, you're not going to do that without people, you know, putting in significant amounts of money. You, you, you know, I don't think you're going to get there with people putting in 100, 200 pounds. You're going to need a lot of, like any market, you're going to need a lot of whales and a lot of different size wallets 
Um, and those sorts of people, they just have a particular type of profile. Like they like things that are tight, that are untightly. They like to under- understand that the things that under you know, underpin what they're trading on are consistent and make sense. Um, you know, they've got lots of other opportunities, unlike your man on the street. You know, it's very difficult for your man on the street, you know, who actually, I think we talked about this the other day, or maybe it was someone else. You know, someone asked me where I got my investment from. I actually didn't have a single penny to my name probably 10 years ago, eight years ago. So I know what it's like to not have maybe so much and maybe to have a bit more. And what I know is that from the people I work with who have loads and loads of wealth is your average punter that bets on bet three, six, five doesn't really have access to a lot of other investment opportunities, but your guy that is, you know, 20, 30 million that maybe you know, likes gamble and likes football. He's got access to so many different opportunities with much more, um, you know, certainty and um, assessment um, and just, you know, uh, I guess robustness that unless it's proving to them that like the opportunity cost of not joining is yeah. so great that they'll be missing out yeah. on substantial amounts of yeah. Uh, so and, and fundamentally, return. this is the main thing: is the idea of being involved in anything remotely kind of gimmicky in the things that we were talking about. All these allodities is exactly against you know what. And again, I'm not one of these people, but what those sorts of people are they're you know you know slick professional that's just not how they operate so that is the reason partly why i'm kind of going on again going on about this stuff because it's not just a petty thing that i'm talking about it's an- anecdotally what i've what i've experienced if you see what i mean yeah and i've i've experienced similar things actually i mean i work in financial services and it's not necessarily mm. those people but i've definitely spoken to people at trader meets who are you know tr- traders that um that have friends that have a lot of money i mean you're talking about people who in one chunk as a bonus get uh money that people can like struggle to acquire their whole working life um this is substantial amounts of capital that these people have and i think you mentioned gene there he's talked to a lot of people that i've known like i've met the guy in real life he says to me like he's met a lot of people who just look at this thing Mm. and they don't really take it seriously um so I think that's a major issue. And if, as you mentioned, if you're talking about a billion pounds market cap, it, you're, rely, you're then reliant on people scaling up from 100 pounds to 10,000 or 20,000 or whatever, or you're relying on people who have, like, for example, Big Don. Uh, I think maybe, actually, you know what? This is an even more interesting conversation to have. Like, uh, I've been speaking to uh, Big Don and, for example, Bishop, who, who came on the podcast from, from Index Gain. Uh, he, he, was, he was talking about how you know he, he talks about how a bit about his background uh betting he trades uh like day trades for a living and he he knows some like people that have substantial amounts of money in betfair for example you know these guys are equally as uh precise and slick as what you mentioned these city boys are they have a lot of capital but a lot of them just don't take it seriously so you've not only got guys that are working yeah. in you know fs or uh investment banking or whatever you've got people that are like in the same industry being Mm. gambling that don't take this seriously so we can't even jump that hurdle let alone the hurdle that you and i yeah totally and that's a great example i mean i i don't have any um connection with anyone in 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 other areas of gambling but you know if that's the case i'm not saying it's not obviously it is the case but that's um it's just it's just all corroboration and that's why again when these when these sort of exchanges happen on twitter it's just i just i just wish people would kind of take a step back and not see things as 
you know, I've got my portfolio and I've done quite well, you know, as we all have. And, and therefore all these things I'm going to view as, 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 as from my own perspective, even though that is relevant, it's more, you know, I think you said in relation to the tweets about the top 200 in the squad, it's, you know, hopefully people can look at the really big picture because, you know, if you're talking about a market cap of a hundred, um, hundred million, do I think we could achieve that? Yes. You know, hundred thousand people each, you know, keeping a thousand pounds in this platform. I think, yeah, that's more than achievable, especially, you know, if people can build up to that figure over two or three years with the money that they would have put into to the bookies and wasted, I, I can see that. Easy, I can see that easily happening now. But that's you know how big does your ambition want to be? And if you want to go for the big, you know, as FI do, and as surely we all do, if you want to go as you said to the to the big target, um, you know, as you said, you, if you can't even get first over the hurdle of other people in the industry, then look, something's not 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 right. Every, a lot of things are very very right in terms of what they've done, but there are some still. So there are some things still which which clearly could be better to, to, to bridge that gap. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree. I think that point that you've made about people not looking at the bigger picture is, is really important. But I think t- for the flip side, you did mention that this product kind of, or you maybe alluded to, hinges upon the big traders being happy to some extent. So is there a balance on their fire side as well? Yeah, there is, but I think maybe it's look. I obviously there are traders probably not CJ. Maybe there's some more bigger portfolios than me, but I class myself maybe as a big one. For me, it's it, I, again. I just see it as if things can be done in a way as they seem to be suggesting, which initially can have no disruption or minimal disruption, and maybe even a little small upside, and create forge a pathway forward for the bigger picture. Then uh, I don't see how you know if you've got a significant amount of money you know, moving the level of ambition up further and, you know, in the short term, decreasing any disruption. I don't see how that could be a, 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 any, anything other than a win. But again, it's like you said, again, you know, these things need to be before anything's done, communicated clearly, in depth, uh, thoroughly, you know, consulted, fed back. And I just, that's probably the only way in which um, FI have just historically fallen down, whether it was the performance buzz launch or the, or the GNA launch. It's just you know, done correctly, you know, the actual underlying thing, uh, events that have happened have always been proven to be the right thing for the platform. I think that's something you've said again. They've always got it right, generally speaking. But the way in which they're done in order to, as you've said, make sure that people who have a lot of, uh, of money in here are happy um, can be better. And genuinely, I think, you know, as we saw with the second announcement for GNA, which I thought was miles better, I think they, they, they can do it. But again, it's just hopefully they can do it very consistently now. Mm. Oh, shit, we've got so many questions. Uh, FI Lollipop Man Steve, uh, how long do you think it will take before the share split has a positive effect on the market as it's the same people holding the same monetary shares on the day of the split? Um, so the first part, I'd say it already, I mean, it already has, obviously. And um, yeah, uh, the second bit, the same people holding the same monetary share, what, what does that mean exactly? Because obviously, lots of people will have bought in. I, th- more. I think what he means is, it, you are essentially holding the same amount of value. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. What in you're terms saying. of the dividend yield, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I guess in that sense, if you've held any players that have, um, like, lots of people have bought into the market, maybe just new users, maybe existing users have deposited more, but the market's moved. I mean, it's grown twenty percent in the last month, so it's obviously had an effect, and, and maybe some of that was just the marketing but i think overall it's pretty clear that knowing and, and again this was linking back to you know fi obviously when we thought there was going to be a share split 
and then there was GNA, there was Carnage. I think probably the reason that was was because, as we've seen, just even the thought of there being a share split has managed to, you know, has this massive effect on 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 deposits. So I'd say yes, the the, the yields may be the same. Uh, well, your um, the capital values have increased, even though you know, the amount of shares um, that you hold in terms of the, the, the value of them is the same. You just hold more at a lower price, but obviously the overall uh, capital value has gone up because more money's come into the market. So I think it's already had a positive effect. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you? What, what do you? How do you see the market reacting? Rather, as, as soon as it happens, as in in March. Yeah. Um, I well, I think it's all going to depend on on the announcement. I think if they, I think, I think, if, I think, I think, my hunch is that it respond positively because I do think from the looks of things, they're going to open up the squad and they're going to increase the dividends, not just in terms of um, maintaining yields, but I think to be cautious, there may be a small improvement in yields. Yeah, you know, Maybe it's by a quarter of a P, maybe it's a half a P, maybe it's three quarters of a P, a penny, whatever it is. So I think ultimately that'll be positive. And my hope is that they do something similar or something around uh, a similar review around performance buzz. But even if not, I think it will be positive. I think it would be strange not to to utilize the momentum that they've had. I mean, if you think about, and again, I think SOTD said this, the amount of new users that have joined. I mean, I don't know how many, how many followers have you got now since, since, since December, I guess, end of December. Uh, like a couple thousand. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you're taking 2000 in reality, there's probably, you know, 50, 50,000, maybe or 40,000 new signups. These people, you know, they're not going to be depositing a lot of money. They've got probably, you know, a lot of wallet space, um, a lot more cash to deposit. I, I'd be surprised if they didn't capitalize on that. But obviously, balance with the fact that, you know, F I have said they never want to create a boom and bust in the market, even though there has been been a boom recently. I think, I think it'll be positive, but I don't think it'll be a massive explosion. I think it'll be a nice sort of, at the least, a consistent, um, you know, in line with, um, you know, the market not falling, but potentially a, a small sort of positive effect. Mm. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I, I think it'll be positive of course there's been that slight spanner as to what we might split by whether or not dividends will increase slightly so i i I, my gut says it will be positive and i think that we will see some big rises because i suppose currently maybe the one of the questions that we didn't um touch on in the pb kind of uh questions or section was about young players rising massively we will still see probably capital appreciation and a lot of players that don't actually return dividends. What, what's your kind of thought at the moment in a lot of these young players, ASP? I think I think a lot of it is misunderstood. I think so. In a way, in a way, I'm worried or, or not comfortable with things, but in a way, I'm not, and I'll try and explain that. So. I think the conditions that have been created by the dividend structure and all the things we've talked about and potentially, you know, where actual, you know, how people actually assess value and if people know what they're assessing value and all this stuff, I think has created an, a sense that, you know, this trend has just been created out, out, of, a, out of the limitations of the existing structure. Uh, and also the fact that, you know, the English buyers means that, look, there's no, there's no coincidence that every young player that rises predominantly is, English, obviously, you've got your Venetius and people like that, but there's definitely a trend with English players. But yeah, and that's obviously you know irrational from a pure footballing perspective. But in a way, I'm not so worried, and I don't know if people have recognised this, but it's also a big consequence of order books not being around. 
because if you could buy under the buy price, um, you know, say with Neymar, with Kimmich, you know, would you necessarily, you know, I, I imagine those people just have money and they sort of don't know where to put it more than rather actually really wanting to buy that youngster. Obviously, sometimes they do. But I think if you could put that capital to bid under the buy price, you probably have more activity around um, the dividend yielding players because probably you'd be more comfortable to bid on them because if you can get them at a discount, you'd like that because they can return dividends. And that may deflate a little bit of these bubbles that are on the youngster side. So maybe look, maybe that's wrong, but I think that's that's an angle that maybe people have missed. But I think maybe when order books are here, there won't be so many so many of those. But um, you know, you probably might have you probably might have an efficient and and represented more representative market. Um, and also, I mean, this was the other thing that was interesting to me because of that was that with with all that money coming into the platform and you know it as i said it seems to be kind of at the moment going into strange areas because a i think there's there's not enough cap in the actual dividend system at the moment when they need to increase that at some point but you know people maybe not being happy with it and capital going everywhere i think that could potentially bode well for a future potential percentage uh dividend of daily income because if you think about it you know if if all this money is coming in say at the moment and people are frustrated because some of it isn't necessarily going into dividend back players but if all that money coming in it's obviously increasing you know the trading volumes in the profit level which increases the, the dividend available if you know ronaldo could win a 35p dividend tomorrow you create you automatically create another trend towards back towards dividends if you see what i'm saying because that capital is then going to be bidding on more you know, it's more likely to be bidding on the dividend uh, returning players because they can, you know, they're more likely to win a bigger dividend. So again, potentially, if that was possible, you might not see these these ETH bubbles. But again, I think, look, overall, it's misunderstood. There's always going to be speculation in any market. It's more just for me around uh, the rationale behind that. And again, it makes no sense for it to be solely focused, you know, predominantly to, to English players. And it doesn't make so much sense for. I, I think it makes more sense to for FI to be more proactive in terms of growing the cap to maintain that, you know, dividend back players still. Are, are relevant rather than just capping out completely and then capital has to flow elsewhere. You know, if you know, if the boot was on the other foot uh, and and we were in, this was an Italian product and Moise Keane was, you know, eight pounds because we only had Italian media, but Ke- but Kane was sort of four pounds. You know, all everyone in England would say, what you know, what the hell is this? Like, why is this youngster that's never played a game so high? So that's what I mean. It's not the fact that the youngsters are rising; it's just the basis behind why it's happening, which is is the problem for me. And I suppose it's like today we've seen Vinicius go above Ronaldo, for example. Um, like it's kind of hard to explain to people. Again, it's that intuition of the the product. I think there's actually two sides of it, you know, SP. There are either people who look at it and they're like, "Why the hell is Ronaldo less than Vinicius?" And then there are people who i've spoken to anecdotally who have kind of been like well why would you buy messi he's like in his prime yeah and it's kind of like i think well because he can return a a great yield and obviously still appreciate from a capital standpoint if he continues to yield uh dividends but it's it's an interesting question it's a weird one yeah i think for me and this is again so again there's a few I, i i just always think these things are more complex and there's a lot of there's a lot of valid points, and also I think for me with Ronaldo, like yes, on the face of it, if you look at it, his um, you know, dividend capability may be good now. One bad injury may not be so good. He may, you know, be on the downward trend of his career. So maybe you could understand why his price would have dipped. But at the same time, should that be, um, 
you know the system we're working under and the reason I say that is because I, for me personally I don't know if you agree maybe I've got this wrong but because of the thing that I was talking about before about media being so kind of accurate and flowing directly and, and being very kind of responsive and potentially performance bars not maybe a, maybe an example of that was last night where he kind of got pipped but because of that uh, and, and the media story around that rape case and that basically creating an image that he's not going to get a lot of positive media has gone maybe in traders minds they just see him as a performance player and obviously then if you're looking at him just on a basis and you have all those things that go around performance bars it just makes you very uncomfortable about having him if you see what i'm saying yeah yeah i i do to some extent it's i i just i my mind has, has just gone like kind of back and forth with with those two sides of things the anecdote that i kind of presented and also some of the tweets that i've seen if you see what i mean yeah it's where do you find yeah well, i think there's no right answer look i think in a way look maybe it's fine like I, to me i don't necessarily have a view i think i can see the view that vinicius some a lot of people may see him and i don't necessarily disagree i think there's still out but you can make a very good case for him being you know uh one of the top level players in the next 10 years and if you have that view and if people have that view i can see why there's a lot of money in him and i can see why you may see ronaldo as, as on the downward trend and maybe that's just how people think um but at the same time, like you said, Ronaldo will probably return some good yields and Vinicius won't. So if you view things from a dividend yield system, you know, perspective, which again, traditionally is how you know, people do view it, then I can see that view as well. But I think I think this particular case for me, there's no right answer in, in a way. Um, sorry, just broke my whole... My whole laptop. Um, there's no right answer. But I think, again, there are other areas in the market where comparable value makes probably much less sense to me like at least ronaldo for you know for example here is nine pounds at least vinicius is is sort of eight pounds but there are other examples where like i've said before you know, kimmich is eight quid and the player that they want to buy buy and want to buy to play in the same team as him lucas Hernandez for 18 million is you know one pound 70 or you know all these other things that we talk about where um i think you know similar to the pb scoring there are more clear-cut um i think problems than, than probably that as you said you've been going back and forth on it yeah yeah it's it's uh there's definitely loads of other problems but on the fi standpoint i suppose they don't have to pay out on these youngsters for ages so if even if it isn't intuitive to new users do they really mind that much no and i I don't mind either but at least you can have that still and have it more representative across the market right so you can have i don't care if if people want to buy you know moise keen or whoever it is just as long as it makes sense that you know uh for example sancho and dembele right i think Say uh, a month ago, Dembele was maybe eight pounds. Sancho was twelve pounds. But you know, if Sancho, if if Dembele was English, he'd probably be up at twelve. And if Sancho was French, he'd probably be down at eight. So I don't care that neither of them have really won dividends. But it, you know, as I said, it's it's the basis on which is happening, and then the effect that that's create that creates in the market to when people look at it for the first time. Because you've got to remember, you know, and this is the thing that maybe I'm too sort of sensitive about it, but. You know, everyone loves football. We 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 loved. We grew up watching great players play. We fell in love with. It. We you know, jump us for goalposts, all that stuff. And the heart of what we love is what happens on the pitch. Like no one really cares from a footballing perspective when you're you know, growing up playing FIFA or Football Manager. You know, no one really cares where people are from from nationality basis. It's you look at the market and you expect it to reflect a certain way. So whether people buy this young player or that young player, I don't really care. As I said, it's just, it, it, it needs to just make a bit more sense from a, from a football perspective. Mm, mm. 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree with a lot of the points that you've just put forward. Uh, as I mentioned, we've still got quite a few questions. Brad, FI, a question to both of you. How many millions have you got in the bank if you're happy to let £600,000 sit in your portfolio? And Fig, has anyone ever told you that you look like Tommy from Power? Um, I don't know if you've watched that series. I'm going to Google, I'm gonna have to Google that right now, actually. So, Tommy from Power yeah. on, on... I'll answer the yeah, other question, though, while I'm Googling it's... it. But, yeah, I, I, mentioned, <laughs> I, I mentioned this before. Um, I actually didn't have um, a penny. To... I've been a rich man and I've been a poor man. No, no, well, I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not even a rich man now. I've got, I've got a lot of green on virtual match attacks at the moment. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I've got... Um, no, so true story. I don't know if people want to hear. Like eight years ago, I probably around then I had um, yeah, literally nothing. I had quite a lot of debt actually, and um, wasn't really in a great position. But you know, this is why I'm sort of saying similar things about FI. You know, a lot of life changes, some very difficult, but ultimately put me in a better position. And um, you know, not all change is good, but this was good. And you know, some things you have to leave behind. And now, yeah, like luckily I'm in a position where I've got a significant amount of money in FI. But I'm definitely, I'm definitely not. Um, significantly significantly well off i think in terms of probably other people like ej or people you probably normally consider to be to be well off but maybe the question i think is more directed around you know how you know you know when he's saying comfortable having that amount of money in fi i think it's more probably alluding to and people say this a lot you know being nervous around having that much money in. and again the way i look at it is regardless of however much someone has or doesn't have you know in terms of you know wealth it's more I detach from what I have in it and I look at it more, as I said, can I see a hundred thousand people having a thousand pounds in this easily? I see that then as the cap that's you know, growing obviously and potential to get there. So my, um, I mean, my portfolio is sort of within the context of that rather than looking at it solely from, from my own perspective, if you see what I'm saying. Mm, yeah, I, I understand. And I, I did kind of read the question in the same way, yeah. like the, the comfort and confidence you must have in the product for you to actually let that six hundred thousand pounds sit in the port in your portfolio is uh, it's got to be exceptional. Yeah, and it? I've just uh, and I've just on the other question, Tommy Brad. Uh, so I'm just on, looking at him now, and uh, yeah, it's a tough <laughs> one. He in some photos, if you squint, maybe, and, and if you cut your hair, then you might look like him. But he's got a yeah. very uh, I know disrespect, but he looks like he probably works out quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Although that sounds weird, because now people are going to think um, people are going to think. And also, he's, he's quite now, like so a just opened up a whole can of worms. He's very much like a, a brute okay. in the show. Like he just goes around like killing people. Sorry if I've, I'm I'm not actually ruining the shows, but show. But he's he's very much an absolute like maniac uh, in the show. So uh, maybe I've kind of. Um, I mean, I asked a few friends, and they were just like, <laughs> "Yeah, it's, it's a stretch." <laughs> so I mean, maybe if I cut my hair really short. Um, po- yeah, yeah, possibly, possibly. I'm not too sure. Not too sure about that one. Maybe slight similarities, potentially uh, a similar question. Not not the the Tommy from Power One TC who's been on the podcast before. He did he did a stellar job with your port size. Confidence in the product itself must be more important than confidence in players you're buying. Has there been anything which has caused that confidence to wane in the past? And what are the key things which give you confidence in FI? as we move to 2019. So let's start with the positive side there. The, what, what what are we going to see in 2019 that's that's going to get you really well, excited? So hopefully. We're not going to go over it, but all the things we talked about, hopefully, if they can put the if it can put the product <laughs> in the right position, then I'll be very personally very, very happy. It'll be massive positive. I think um, order books will be, well, before that, I think the new site will be, um, even though it may seem like just a new site, I think like it will, I think it'll be very, very useful. I think, 
the functionality that they can put on there, um, even small, just small things. As we said before, you know, we've been all working with things like the reserve price not working, um, all these fiddly little things. Just having a fully functional site will will will, will be a massive step. Um, being able to automate in-play dividends, I think, again, it's a small thing, but the key words I think Mike used was giving that win experience to new traders. Um, you know, the concept of the buzzing of the phone in the pocket when the goal goes, I think that's all great. Order books, I think, will be, again, I, I think they'll be great. And I think hopefully, again, as, as I've said, in terms of the market being more efficient and, and more understandable, hopefully might have an effect on that because um, people can bid under under the buy price of, of players that they want to buy. Um, but other than that, look, as I said, to be honest, it's more about, yeah, I mean, hopefully, look, the communication, as we've discussed, if that can be sort of, I guess, more professional and tighter, you know, if the next trader meet, they can have a better stream for, for the video. Um, just these small things, as I said, every understanding that every single thing that is done is, you know, could be communicated to someone with, say, you know, so it could either be communicated to 10,000 people with 100 pounds to put in or one person with 100,000 to put in. Like every, everything that's done is now vital for me in this phase of, of, of scaling up. So if that can all be taken care of, and actually, even though it, it seems like a lot, it's not that much, then I'll, I'll be very positive. But um, obviously, it remains to be seen. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think it, it's how quickly can they iron out those issues before we get to those millions of customers, right? Mm. Um, which is Which is probably the most important thing for me because I find it harder and harder to explain stuff to people when things don't make sense i.e why doesn't the watch list work i.e why doesn't the reserve price work and i know that they have priorities maybe on the tech side and the share split and whatnot but i do think there are just some fundamentals that need to be ironed yeah Uh, i think you've obviously alluded to for example the stream being good on uh on something as important as as an announcement for the share split it these things need to be um, made more robust. Yeah, and I, I, again, I'm only saying that because I got a, I got a text again. I've got a, I've got a friend that I convinced to sign up. He signed up, and the first text message he sends me is, "This stream is so budget." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it just doesn't help. And look, maybe he'll stay. Maybe he'll, as we all have, you know, maybe he'll enjoy it. But it's just, yeah, and 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 again, as you said, that 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 connecting the core message to the product. Um, uh, and making sure all these things are tied up. Yeah, I think that they're vital. They're vital. Mm-hmm. All right, next from FPL Addict. Uh, Addict, someone that I've uh, met in real life, actually, both at the, the previous trader meet and uh, a fancy football meet. Do you think FI gets bought out by one of the established bookies or someone creating a similar product or, in fact, one of the bookies copying the idea i don't know i think you you mentioned you have some people that you know in the gambling industry for me i I, I don't so all i'll say is it like all these things is the same as my position it depends on how things develop i think based on right now if you ask someone to look at it right now i think there would be no chance because it's just and not i'm not saying that in a disparaging way that most of it is just because it's so early stage and then there's a small portion of it which i think is just because it's not sort of you know plotted in in a in a in a very clear strategy but with the changes and with all these things we've talked about, yeah, absolutely. Why not? I mean, I think it would be interesting to to to, to think about who that would be, given how it's supposed to be a, you know, uh, I guess not just disruptor, but to sort of almost destroy the bookmakers. So it would be hard to see it being one of those companies. But I don't know. Would a company like Bet? Would it come for a company like Betfair more because it's more? Yeah, that's more of a sort of 
non-traditional sports book maybe but look, I, I don't know enough to comment to be honest i mean you might you might have some better ideas um i was actually speaking to someone at the trader meet uh someone who works for like a a big company like a FTSE 100 company uh trades forex um and we were actually talking about how for example uh if if another bookie came on the scene if you were a bet365 or betfair or whatever you would just squeeze the price to the point where your competitor can't make any money and eventually goes bust or you'd basically just take a big loss on your on your pricing just to outcompete the the new bookie because you're so big as an organization you can kind of afford to to kind of absorb those losses i think because fi is a completely different model bookies would have to present something um that is better value than football index and i think that if there is that side of things for me that, that makes me wonder that if someone did start uh say in exactly the same product right that big portfolios however much they would say on twitter that they are like obviously behind fi and they believe in the product as much as me and you would probably be all over the tl if that was going to happen um i'm sure i'd probably release like five special podcasts in a row or whatever the fact of the matter is that there would be people who would be worried and they would hedge their bets um whether we like that or not and to the other question would fi get bought out when i mean i think that's completely to uh adam cole's discretion he, he owns a big part of the company um yeah he owns a, a large chunk of the company and if a massive offer floated on your table you're talking about someone who isn't like 25 30 years old uh, with all due respect to adam he's a great guy uh if a massive massive offer comes on the table um you're looking at retirement and doing whatever you want now whether or not that's his goal and he just really wants to disrupt gambling in the gambling industry and be known as the thing that killed traditional bookies or whatever we want to view it there's there's a lot of variables to kind of consider when when asking or answering questions like this yeah i think so my so my answer the first answer was in relation to that you know that i was saying you know could it be a sports maybe not maybe it could be someone like betfair buying it out but i didn't answer in terms of the first point you mentioned in terms of a, a competitor a copy copycat i think maybe there have been one or two already that haven't done so well i think if there was one that was a bois, yeah and bois i think there was one called whatever foot, that foot but i think as well, it, maybe but i saw i mean the bois book thing i remember i actually went back and when i saw this question watched mm. the video and it just yeah, it was, it was awful like the proposition was was just mm. shocking so i mean but i think in terms of it's no surprise no, that in terms of another one that may be better but if someone was yeah to, i think in terms of what you said yeah. look i my personal everyone's got a different view my personal view and, and look, i think hopefully people can see that i say i don't say things generally if i don't mean them or believe them so you know a year ago when i said i think if you remember everyone's I sold off a load of top players after the champions league and everyone was sort of panicking and i wrote that big post saying this is how I see it. And I think all these players will be ridiculously good value in the medium term. And a lot of people kind of said, okay, maybe. And then it sort of happened. And now I'm saying, obviously, you know, yes, I'm in FI, but I'm very concerned about the direction. But, you know, when it comes to another competitor, for me personally, I, I just genuinely see how, however good it is, I think the problem is liquidity. And even if some people, um, you know, divert some funds towards it, you know, if that very next day FI increased the dividends by 10%, 20%, I just struggle to see how, you know, the reverse wouldn't happen, for example. You know, 
and and that's I think people don't appreciate the the, the difficulty the FI had in the in the, and I wrote this in that post as well. The zero to kind of five million growth phase was was so so. That's as everyone knows. That's when every business is in danger. But this particular product, if that hadn't happened, you know, obviously there would be no FI, and to get past that was was actually really painful. You know, you remember, and I said this before, there was no instant sell. There was only media buzz. The website was really dodgy. That video you said that there was about Boa Book was probably even worse on FI, you know, all this stuff, but yet somehow it's got there. And to build now that 40 million liquidity, as I said on that post, again, I'm not just saying this because I have a lot of money. I feel like done correctly, it's so, so much easier now to just put the boosters under that and go so that, you know, yes, look, a competitor would probably arise, but whether they could... You know, if they could, will they offer value? They would definitely offer value. Would they be able to build liquidity with something as big as FI still around? Personally, I don't think so. But look, I'm not, I'm not ruling anything out. Hmm. Yeah, not sure. Not sure what would happen. Obviously, as you mentioned, I'm not a genius, <laughs> neither are you. So uh, who knows? Uh, Divi Dave, as an experienced trader, what is the relative importance you place on quality data insight, gut feel, market experience when or market experience when you purchase new players? Data to me is vital, but feels at the moment just knowing the ways of the market is equally powerful. Yeah, so, um, so me personally, I don't use a lot of data, but that doesn't mean that I don't think it's valuable. So I'd say that I don't use it a lot. But I, I think people that use it should be encouraged to use it. And I encourage everyone to use, you know, Index Game, Edge, Noir. Uh, I don't know if there are any others, but use them all. And um, if that helps you, great. Um, and, you know, some people have done very, very well uh, uh, using that. A lot of people have. But me personally, I just I just have a, I've had a different approach where I sort of, I have, a, I have a, a kind of an understanding of the scoring system. I have an understanding of what I think uh, is either a good player now or potentially in the future and actually a lot of my you know, and so I go off a lot of what I see on the pitch but also a lot of my most profitable trades have been when there hasn't actually been a lot of data or no data or, or, or the data that's there doesn't even show any obvious positives but actually when you watch the player and I think um, the guy that you write the blog with uh, who has um, football index um, who does the you know the rocket ships and the fallers every day I can't remember what his name is he um he said this, which is something that I believe as well, which is sometimes if there's no data, if you're watching the player, you can sometimes get a lot of information about um, which you can use to potentially trade off based on watching him, if you, if you see what I'm saying. So, you know, at the moment he may not be taking set pieces and he may be playing in this position. But for example, you know, as soon as he plays in another position, if you're the first one watching him there, um, you can kind of see how he might develop from there and go forward if you see what I'm saying. So a lot of my trades have sort of been on I guess the basis where there hasn't been a lot of information already available, uh, but again, I've, I've taken a lot of risk. Um, again, my bigger concern is is not the data so much using it. It's just again, people are sort of being or having to brainwash themselves into the idea of the underlying fundamentals behind this data being, you know, what we judge footballers on. Which again, as we said, is is not really the case. So yeah, I I, I encourage it, but I don't use it. But again, I'd say market market um, knowledge. Um, is, is equally important, you know, my ability, and you you probably say this as well, I don't know if, you, if you'd agree, but after a season or two of being on FI and, and seeing all the cycles and, and seeing the different, you know, sell-offs and, and trends and all that makes you, it puts, just puts you in such a, a much better position to, um, to spot what's going on. Maybe not what's happening right now, but generally mm. speaking. 
Well, we're into the two-hour mark, and we've got two questions left. Um, I'm sorry for anyone who doesn't have a two-hour commute. Uh, maybe you can listen to this over a whole week. Uh, F.I. Uh, the Bala. Uh, a lot is being made of how pumpers and dumpers... Uh, right now on Football Index and there's some ridiculous examples lately however surely everyone naming a player is a pumper and dumper it's the nature of the index presumably everyone wants a player they own to rise so they can sell to for profit yeah look I I can see what people say I can see the kind of intention behind the question and like you can't necessarily disagree you can't disagree with it fundamentally but I think it's the nuance I think it's the nuance of it so it's a question of credibility for me and again this is i always i always think in the bigger picture and so i think for people that are doing this as in the bigger picture as a community as again i'm sure you said and some other people said it's it's how you present um in the same way that you know you mentioned this the the marketing tweets that fi put out where they're they're showing the same portfolio that someone's posting and it's obviously not a real portfolio they're just using it as affiliate marketing doesn't show the prof doesn't show the the doesn't show, and this connects to what we said about you know certain individuals and they and them seeing it as not what they want to get involved in, even though they have a lot of, have a lot of capital. That sort of you know approach to to marketing FI just puts it in a bad light, and I think just has a net negative effect overall on everyone, or a net neutral effect. And and similarly with pumping and dumping, you know if people are logging on and following all these accounts and they're just seeing all these people spamming all these players, to me it just doesn't sound very credible. And and the other thing I think as well it's you know, if you if you actually tip players and pump players and you actually come back to the people you've tipped, the players you've tipped and hold your hands up and say, look, I got this one wrong, I got this wrong. And look, on the balance of probabilities, a lot of people that do this must get, yeah, at least 40, 50% of them wrong. Then I've got no pro- I've got no problem with it. But otherwise, you're, you're just literally holding yourself with some sort of FI master when you're not. And I'm not saying I am, but I don't tip, if you see what I'm saying. So, you know, and, and they don't even show their trading figures a lot of the time. You know, there have been people on here on FI since um, you know way back when who you know I've seen have have not great results to show from it, but yet they're still are pumping on the timeline. So it's another another part of it for me is trying to get traders to actually steer clear of those, as you sort of said about the question where you know what are the early plays? You know, for me, in order to become the most profitable, is to you know ignore a lot of that pumping, settle on your own strategy, and do your own research. Um, so I think it would be better if those accounts encouraged that more um, than that. But look, everyone's everyone's free to do what they want. Um, it's just it's just again it's just again just obviously yeah, though I, if you're building a position as we said if you're building a position where no one else knows about it then obviously you're going to maximize the profit. So clearly, if you're tipping the player, yeah. you're about to exit. So it's kind of clear what's going on. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's true. But I, I think um, order books will probably uh, will probably stop the pumping and dumping because you're going to need to sell to someone. Well, it might not stop it, but it might not be as easy to pump and dump. Um, which is which is definitely um, definitely a good thing, a positive that order books can bring. Uh, Rory, last question. Uh, sorry, it's been so long, guys. How big do you expect FI to become? Yeah, well, well, that's a quick one to finish on, I guess. I mean, look, I'll say the same thing. If um, if if I if I think it can maneuver into a certain you know way of progressing forward, then and again, people may say this is crazy. I think I think a billion market cap within you know six, five, six, seven, eight years, I think is uh, I actually think that would be a piece of cake if it was set up the right way. But again, and that's why this this whole sort of conversation, I guess, started off or finish on. It's 
If not, then I don't think there's any sort of disaster situation. I just think, you know, you might get to 100 million, you might get to 200 million, but that's sort of where it is. And that's fine um, from a sort of niche product perspective, but you're not really going to be that massive disruptor of the gambling industry, which I think it's, it's aiming to be. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, again, I think you you always say to me, this has the potential to become a, a massive thing or it can be a niche product which reaches like a £200 million market cap, which wouldn't be anything to sniff at, but it potentially... that th- People need to understand there is a chance that this doesn't become something that kills the bookies, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. If that's it... <laughs> <laughs> no no i mean Any, just, anything else to I, add in, in general asp before i let you I let you go no 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 i think just uh yeah like as i said it's just i wish in, it's a good question to finish on i guess it, it's just it would be good if people could think you know how big could fi become you know it all depends on it all depends on the product and um yeah what can you what can you do to what can we do to advantage or disadvantage that process you know regardless of how we feel and how happy we are right now what can we do to be better you know let's not be lazy you know laziness always leads to failure let's let's be proactive and like i said you know the, the, the sky's the limit yeah well i think i think we've been we've been on the on the line for long enough i should be publishing this by now asp um i know my apologies i uh i don't like to keep the fig waiting <laughs> but hopefully i mean i hope the quantity is never necessarily a measure of quality but hopefully there is some quality in here to keep people interested for the the thank you very much for coming on man where can people find out more about you um just uh at so the at is the a at sp football index and um yeah if you want to if you want to dm me if you want to ask me any questions um feel free to follow me um yeah not a problem happy to help with advice or anything like that. and you can find me at fi guide underscore uh, shout out if you're uh, commuting and massive shout out if your commute is over two hours uh shout out to those of you who aren't commuting the the non-commute career and sorry if i didn't have time to answer your questions sorry if uh, asp didn't have time to answer those questions either because uh we, we went on as it was and i think uh, we need to start chopping these podcasts back down to about an hour rather than two uh thank you very much for listening uh again please subscribe please share it with your friends pass the pod along uh have a great day doing whatever you're doing 